One percenters, welcome back to another week of the One Percent Podcast. I'll be your host as usual, Dave Nurse. And I know you guys are getting the Christmas excitement. The trees are up, stockings hung, getting ready for Santa to come, all that Christmas joy. But before we get there, we've got an amazing episode here for you today. All right, let me ask you this. Do you want to get great sleep every night? Like optimal deep sleep, REM, wake up, feel like you're rested and ready to just punch life in the face. Do you want that? If you do, keep listening. If not, if you don't like getting good sleep and you want to feel like you're really tired and groggy every morning, just stop this right now. And here it is, Chili Pad, ChiliTechnology.com. These guys are my favorite, not just because their product is amazing, and ChiliPad actively manages the body's temperature to deliver a magical, deep sleep, great REM, makes you feeling like you've woken up just fully rested and recovered to attack the day. But the people they are, I know them well, and they are some of the best people that will care for you, make sure that you are absolutely getting the most out of every night's sleep. And think about it too. You're going to save a ton of money just because you don't have to turn the air conditioner down to 60 degrees. This chili pad or the Uller, it's going to regulate your body's temperature to sleep in the cold. Cool sleep is magical sleep. Chili pad has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, ESPN, New York Times, Forbes. I literally gift it to all my NBA players so I know they are getting the best sleep. Because there's nothing worse than waking up the next morning and feeling like, man, I can't even go through the day because I didn't get great sleep. Chili Pad has been my key, my ticket to a great night's sleep basically every single night. And luckily for you, they're great friends of mine and they've given me a code to give you a super discount. DNBball25 at checkout gets you 25% off the Chili Pad. DNBball10 gets you 10% off the Uller at checkout. Go to ChiliTechnology.com. All of this will be linked in the show notes and start sleeping like a baby today. New York Times best-selling author, one of the most renowned functional doctors in the world, named one of the top 100 most influential people in health and fitness by Greatest.com, a reoccurring featured guest on the Dr. Oz Show, Fox and & Friends, and many more national media broadcasts. And ladies and gentlemen, that only begins to scratch the surface of the guest we have on this week's episode of the 1% Podcast. Chris Kresser, revolutionary in his work for functional medicine and ancestral health. On this episode, the author of The Paleo Cure goes in-depth on why following the blueprint our ancestors laid out for us is the key to unlocking our wellness. As someone who struggled for over 10 years with chronic disease and illness, Chris talks about how to reverse that chronic disease and how you can take back control of your health and your life. Without our health, we really can't do anything. That's just the way it is. That's the truth. And there is no one better to lead us on this journey than the man himself, Chris Kresser. Fresh off the Joe Rogan podcast, an absolute wealth of knowledge, and it's coming to you right here, right now, on the 1% Podcast. So buckle up, because here we go. So I'm going to throw you an NBA player. I'm going to give you an NBA player, and on the 1%er Podcast, it's all about optimizing top athletes so that we all can have takeaways from how they function at their highest level, both their 
body and their mind. So let's right. say I'm giving you a world-class athlete, and we're going to try to take him from good to great and function at the highest level possible. Is there any details that you would look at first to see, hey, we got to check this out. we got to make sure this is right. So then the rest of the process of making sure you're on the right path and grow into your highest potential is intact. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the first two things I would look at for sure would be nutrition and sleep. So um, sleep, I think, you know, most people understand the, con- the connection between nutrition and performance, even if, you know, even if they're not sure. optimizing it, they, they get it. They've heard that before. It's not a newsflash uh, to yep. them. You know, even when I was in high school and I was an athlete, my coach was talking to us about that. Um, but I think the connection between sleep and performance uh, is um, a little bit newer for, for people, even high-level athletes. And, um, I mean, I'm glad to see that this is getting a little bit more airtime now. I saw an article recently um, about uh, growing awareness of the importance of sleep in the NBA. So I know this is starting to be on some uh, individual players' radar and the team's radar. Um, but I would, I would even go as far as to say that sleep is a bigger deal breaker than nutrition. Like if you could, you could be performing at a pretty high level if you're sleeping well and you've got, you know, natural talent and you've done all the hard work that NBA players have done to get to where they are, they could still be performing at a pretty high level with a pretty crappy diet. And I think David, we both know that that's the case in, in some situations, some players, right. Um, but if they're not sleeping well, forget it. You know, if, if they're sleeping, you know, three, four hours a night and they're not sleeping, that's going to affect their performance even more than a, than a poor diet. So, um, you know, I've had globally recognized uh, sleep experts on my podcast, like Dr. Matt Walker from UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And um, this is disappointing news for some people, um, but <laughs> the, the research is really showing that we, the vast majority of us need um, between seven and a half and eight hours or more of sleep to function well. And that's not time in bed. I want to make that really clear. Um, That doesn't mean that if you get in bed at 10 and you wake up at six, you've got your eight hours of sleep because, you know, we're not sleeping for that entire period of time. It takes, there's some latency between when we lay down and when we fall asleep and, you know, we might be waking up. So for most people to get a full eight hours of sleep, they need to allow um, about nine hours in bed. And, you know, that can be hard in today's yep. world, uh, especially if you're an athlete, you're, you're an NBA player on the road, um, you know, your, your games are finishing pretty late at night, then you're eating after the game, you know, taking the bus back to the hotel. Um, and then especially if you've got buddies that are going out um, and you want to do that, and then you've got a, sh- a shoot around in the morning, it can be hard to get those nine hours in bed. But I think the single, it's probably the single biggest leverage point for people. And, you know, I call it a secret weapon when I, in, in my work with athletes, it's, it's like, you got to have discipline to be able to say no, you know, to, to going, you know, that, that night on the town or, you know, just turn off the computer or the video games or whatever it is and get to bed a little bit earlier. But these, these players, you know, in my experience, they're all, they know discipline. They didn't get to where they are by being lazy. It's just a question of shifting their mindset around it. Yeah, exactly. It is all discipline and it's living a lifestyle, not the the quote-unquote MBA lifestyle, but it's basically 24 hours of how you're going to prepare so that you can perform at your highest level. And I completely, right. completely agree with you that sleep is the number one 
foundational point for the blueprint of how to create a top-level functioning athlete. And that question, how do you get deep sleep? How do you get REM? How do you, how do you make your sleep count even more? So the eight, yeah. the eight, nine hours in bed, I like that point that you made. That's a really good point because it's not always when we were sleeping are we getting the deep, the REM. Do you have any right. tricks that you use with, with clients that you work with? Absolutely. How to get yeah. that sleep? Yeah, that's a great question because we, we distinguish between sleep quantity or duration and sleep quality. Right. Uh, yep. You could have you know nine hours in bed, but if you're not sleeping and you're restless and you're tossing and turning, then that's not going to be quality sleep. It's not going to give you the benefits. So um, there's several you know several factors that are critical, which uh, we call sleep hygiene, nice. and um, what that means is is basically creating the circumstances that are most conducive to getting a good night's sleep. And so one of them is sleeping in a cool, dark room. So um, that means like not having a TV on. It means not having, you know, alarm clock that has a very bright, you know, digital light, uh, blue light on it. It means uh, often using blackout shades. Uh, we've got blackout shades in our bedroom where, you know, when you put them down at night and you turn out the lights, it's pitch black in there. Like yep. I can't even see my hand in front of my face. Same here, you man. Know? Same here. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's a ton of research uh, on temperature and sleep mm -hmm. and um, what it, it's really critical to have uh, a cool room and sometimes even a cool mattress. So um, you know, somewhere around like 60 different people have different preferences and what works for them, but, you know, somewhere between 61, 62 degrees and maybe 66 or 67 degrees tends to be the optimal sleep temperature in the room. And that could be the ambient temperature, but, uh, I, there's also the, the, the mattress to consider. If you have a low quality mattress, uh, it will reflect a lot of your own body heat back to you and so even if the room is cool you can be your your core body temperature will be warmer than it should be for sleep so there's now um, some pretty cool new products that are available um, one is called the Uller o-o-l-e-r sleep those system. are my people i love those yep. Yep. i got it yep 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 so you know all about it um <laughs> Uller basically is like a mattress pad you put on your bed that has these thin little hoses in it and it's connected to a unit on the that you set next to your bed that's full of water and the and the machine cools the water and sends it through those little hoses on the on the pad so it actually cools the surface underneath you and this turns out to be much more effective actually as a way of lowering your core body temperature to the ideal sleep temperature than controlling the ambient temperature in the room. I, I do both myself. I, you know, nice. I keep the thermostat down to the yep. low sixties. And then I also have the Uller, um, that I, you know, set to a certain temperature. So, um, t that's, that's very critical. The, the other thing, uh, another thing that's, that's, um, really important is not, having your phone next to you, you. Uh, not, not using your phone. <laughs> so you. I know, again, this is, you know, this is not easy for folks. Um, we live in a kind of always on culture. Uh, but if your phone is going off, you're getting texts or Instagram, you know, Facebook notifications all night, that's going to interfere with your sleep like nothing else because it triggers certain parts of our brain that are not conducive to sleep. You know, it's basically telling you time to wake up all the, you know, all the time. For sure. And even further, um, I ask my patients and the athletes that I work with to limit their, 
use of screens as much as possible within at least an hour before bed, preferably an hour and a half or two hours, because the screens like iPads and phones and even TVs to a lesser extent, uh, depending how close you're sitting to them, emit blue light. Blue light is the same spectrum of light that the sun emits. And uh, when that light hits our retina, our eyes, it basically sends a signal to our body telling it to wake up because human beings, along with every other organism on the planet, evolved in this 24-hour cycle of light and dark. And so our bodies are entrained and our brains are entrained to that light-dark cycle. So when we see light, it sends a message to our brain to wake up. Cortisol levels go up, melatonin levels, which is a sleep hormone, go down. So if you're looking at an iPad right before bed, you're essentially telling your body to wake up. And this is what one, I think one of the major reasons that we have such an epidemic of sleep problems. So if you, you know, if you use your phone as an alarm clock, put, put it in airplane mode um, and turn off notifications so it just becomes a glorified clock mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not, it's not emitting any light. And you know, if you, if you want to do that and have the phone in the room with you, that's fine. But you got to basically turn it into a dumb phone instead of a smartphone. It's a super um, super good point. I, I like I like what you're saying too. Is like you have a nightly routine as well. It's not just everybody talks about the morning routine, but the nightly routine is so important. Like turning turning your phone off, not using it an hour before you go to bed. Not just even for the blue light, but also for all the thoughts that are going through your mind. Someone texts you, or maybe there's an email, a fire you have to put out. Now you're thinking about that, and that alone is going to affect your sleep and is going to affect your HRV level as well. Absolutely. You know, our phones just pull us into our lives, you know, and so um, it's really good not to have that there. Uh, You mentioned the word routine, and I think that's another critical factor. Um, There's I I sometimes call it a buffer zone. Um, So you want to create a, a buffer or a transition period between your day where you're doing whatever you're doing, you know, you practice training you're texting, you're emailing, you're doing all the stuff that we do when we're awake. And then um, you're now then shifting into a more relaxed mode, a more relaxed state. So in terms of the nervous system, we're moving from like this kind of sympathetic arousal where, where we're in sometimes that kind of fight or flight response or we're activated, we're kind of revving at a higher gear and then you want to send a message to your body through this routine, like, okay, now it's time to slow down and settle down. And um, we move into this parasympathetic nervous system response, which is called uh, the rest and digest response. So this is where our bodies enter, enter a state of relaxation. And it's where heart rate variability increases. You mentioned HRV, David, that's, mm-hmm. that's a sign that our body is out of the stress response. It's the time where our muscles can regenerate and repair. That's a critical thing to understand with sleep. When we go into that deep restorative sleep, that's when tissue regeneration and repair happens. So if you're an athlete uh, and you're training all the time, you're breaking down muscle tissue. And if you want to be able to recover and get stronger and faster and improve your performance, you have to have that deep sleep. And you can't get deep sleep if your nervous system is you know, still revving at that daytime RPM, so to speak. So, you know, different people have different routines here. It's not important exactly what it is. Um, it's just, it, what I think is important is that it becomes kind of a a habit or a ritual. So could be reading a fiction book, 
could be, you know, if you're taking a shower, could be doing some meditation or mindfulness practice. If you do that, um, something that creates that buffer between your day and the sleep period. I love that, man. I'm going to take that term from you, buffer. That's really, really good. <laughs> Go for it. I've already told you I'm stealing from you. I'll give you five, yeah, per, five cents do every it. time I use it. <laughs> so as, we, as yeah. we dominate the sleep area and, and being the main aspect of building a um, super high-level functioning athlete, but also just for everybody in general, let's go into the nutrition part of it too because this is, this is yes. something that's such a crazy subject for a lot of people. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody thinks one thing is right for one thing, and, and, and I know you just got off three and a half hours with Joe Rogan debunking the Game Changers yeah. vegan diet. So I won't keep you on here for three and a half hours today, but let's talk about, uh, let's talk about I mean, your, your amazing book, The Paleo Cure, and just how important ancestral nutrition is with figuring out how our bodies personally can function at their highest level nutrition-wise. Yeah, look, I mean, the simplest way to, to look at this is that um, every organism on the planet is is matched with a certain environment, you know, and when that environment changes faster than that organism can adapt, then you get a big mismatch. So human beings, for the vast majority of our evolutionary history, we ate meat and fish, fruits and vegetables, some nuts and seeds and some starchy plants, you know, tubers like sweet potatoes. So if you think of, let's use a sports analogy to make, you know, to make this clear. Nice. Uh, if you think of a football field, for the first night, from, from, you start from one end of the end zone, walking to the other end of the field, you could go to 99 and a half yard line, you know, like past, uh, you, you'd be like within a half yard of the opposite end zone. And that entire period would have been the time that we lived as hunter-gatherers. And we ate wow. that nutrient-dense whole foods diet, you know, no processed and refined food, no sugar, none of the stuff that characterizes our diet today. So it's only been this tiny sliver of history. You know, we all tend to think that the way that we eat now is normal. It just because it's what we know and it's what's familiar. But that's it's not normal at all for, you know, in the context of human history. And so our bodies are very well adapted to those foods, those, those nutrient-dense whole foods that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it's only been in the last you know, 10,000 years that agriculture started and only in the last 150 years, roughly, that we've had the Industrial Revolution and some, you know, in the last 40 or 50 years, really, that we've shifted to this highly processed and refined food diet. So, you know, the basic argument is like, eat like your ancestors. Uh-oh, is that me? Um, no, that's all right, I'll cut that part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, keep rolling. Eating like your ancestors. Got a little confused. Yeah, so, <laughs> okay. So the basic argument here is to just eat like your ancestors. Um, that's the, the way the, the foods that, that led to, you know, humans thriving and evolving over um, millennia are still the best foods for us. But unfortunately, we now live in this modern diet and lifestyle where 60% of the calories the average American gets come, come from ultra processed and, and ultra refined foods. And it's this mismatch between what our genes and our biology uh, are wired for and expect, these nutrient-dense whole foods, and what we're actually eating that leads to this epidemic of chronic disease and, and in athletes, um, uh, sub, you know, uh, sure. less than optimal performance. And what's, what's amazing and, and what's so exciting to me when I work with athletes is 
these people are already performing at you know the highest level of their sport in the world and often are not on an optimal diet. What happens if you actually yeah. get them on an optimal diet? That's when it gets really you know, exciting to see what, what, what's possible. Exactly, and that's what I'm so excited to be doing with you and your team is how we are going to create the ultimate athlete due to this. And yes. taking, taking somebody from I mean, that small detail, but taking somebody from great to greater. So basically you're saying there was no magic spoon cereal that these our ancestors were hunting <laughs> we, around. We, we were, they, they, believe it or not, they weren't popping into 7-Eleven and buying some cheese doodles <laughs> and big gulps and, and drinking them. So yeah. no, we had, and, and it's, what's interesting is that when you look at the foods that we ate, um, you know, from an ancestral perspective and you apply the lens of modern clinical evidence, you also see that these are the best foods for humans. So let's just look at animal protein um, versus plant protein. So um, animal, the, the way you evaluate protein quality is nice. based on the, the amino acid profile and bioavailability. So that means how much are you actually absorbing of that food that you're eating? Because if you eat a food and you don't absorb it, it's not going to help you. And if you eat a food and it doesn't have the nutrients that you need, it's not going to help you either. So when you look at plant proteins or, and you compare them with animal proteins, animal proteins have much better amino acid profile and they have much higher bioavailability. In fact, the, the lowest quality animal protein, which is chicken, has a score of 1.03 on this scale that rates proteins. And the highest plant protein is chickpeas is 0.83, which is lower than the lowest animal protein. So I'm not arguing that we shouldn't eat plants. I'm saying that I think the optimal human diet includes both plants and, animal pro and animals, particularly animal proteins, because the research is pretty clear that they're superior for both health and performance. Man, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And I've seen it personally. Like I've told you through NBA players who go to vegan, the vegan diet and they just their, their performance just plummets. It might be okay for a month, maybe two months, but it's not sustainable for the energy and the protein you need. So thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. In this podcast, let's talk, let, yeah, go let's ahead. talk a little bit more about that too, for if sure. I may. Just want, I, I want to, because it's critical. Um, yep. There's there's two things I want to bring up there. Uh, one is the you know quality of protein, which I already addressed. The other is just straight up calories. I mean, if you're a 200 pound NBA player uh, with the level of activity that you're doing, you you probably need somewhere you know 3,500, 4,000 calories a day. It's going to be really hard to get that just eating plants. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And and uh, you know you're going to be eating and to get enough of the high quality to get enough protein, not just, uh, I'm just talking about quantity, that's right. not even addressing quality. Right. You're going to have to be eating, you know, cups and cups of cooked beans and legumes and tofu and things like peanut butter. But that, but that, that amount of protein, it's not, it's not as high quality as what you would get with animal products. So even if you're getting the, on the numbers on paper high enough, you're not going to be absorbing and utilizing that protein as well. The other thing is what I call the vegan honeymoon. So <laughs> I like this. this is, <laughs> this is, um, if you switch, let's say you have an athlete who's eating, you know, standard American diet, like fried chicken, McDonald's, fast food, ultra processed food, and they switch from that to a vegan diet. Well, they're in vegan diet, they're going to be eating mostly whole foods, right? Fruits, fresh fruits and fresh vegetables, legumes, grains, things like that. Most people are going to feel better switching from a diet with ultra processed 
crappy foods to whole foods, at least for a while. And this is, and for that period where they do feel a little bit better, that's what I call the vegan honeymoon. It's, it's the time bef between when they switch from their previous lower quality diet to a diet high in, in whole foods, and they have that improvement and increase in energy. Uh, you know, they just feel cleaner, uh, clear, better uh, cognitive function and capacity. But then after a period of time, and this period can vary from athlete to athlete. Sometimes it's just a few weeks. Sometimes it's a few months. Sometimes it's a little longer. Then you start to see some protein deficiency set in or the reduction in protein quality or, or they're not getting enough collagen, which is important for repair. Um, or they're not getting enough calories, or they're not getting enough of some of the critical micronutrients like B12, uh, iron, zinc, some, you know, the vitamins and minerals, and then they start to see the downhill slide. And what can be really deceptive is that initially they felt better during that honeymoon period. And so when they start to feel worse, they don't suspect the diet because yep. they initially felt better. So I just wanted to put that out there because it's something I see all the time in athletes I work with. It's a great point though because it's it's false it's false results like it's going to help you just because you're eliminating the trash like obviously if you're going to eat chickpeas and hummus and lettuce it's going to be better than eating Doritos but exactly. over the long term it's absolutely going to be negating results I like you'll do protein. better with animal protein I mean the analogy I like to use it's kind of an extreme one but if you fast for two or three you know for a few days you can feel it, that can have a phenomenal impact on your health but try doing that for a year <laughs> You know, like, yeah, that's right. It's, it's not good. Fasting cures everything, including life. So it's, it's not, it's, it's not something you're going to keep doing. Um, and so, yeah. And, and then the other thing is just context and, and comparing it. Like if you felt better going from a ultra processed diet to a plant-based whole foods diet, you can't really know that you, the reason you felt better was because you eliminated meat and animal products. It's possible. And in fact, even more, much more plausible from my experience that the reason they felt better was not removing animal products. It was removing all the processed and refined crap. Exactly. And could you have felt even better if you removed all that processed and refined crap, kept high quality nutrient dense animal products in there and also ate those with the, you know, uh, uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds and everything else that's on a plant-based diet. That's what tends to work best for most people. Dude, so right. And we're going to link to the Joe Rogan podcast that you do here in the notes. So if anybody wants to hear super, super in-depth on this, and trust me, you will, we'll have that links for them. But before I, I let you go, like I, I got to talk to you about the gut microbiome because a lot of people will yes. kind of know what it is. But it's one of those things like, oh, yeah, the gut is like the second brain, but they don't really understand it and understand how to optimize your gut. Like one of the trendy things to say is, oh, you might have a leaky gut. Okay, thanks. Like what do I do? Well, I don't, I don't yeah. even know what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, the gut microbiota refers to the the community of, of microbes, bacteria, yeast, and viruses we know now. Um, not all viruses are bad. Um, in that, that inhabit our gut. And it's about a trillion microorganisms. So uh, we're talking about a vast, vast community. And, you know, as I'm sure many of your listeners have heard, there's now a ton of research that links the health of the microbiome, that microbial community, to pretty much every disease that, that, you, that, you, that we know of and um, also to our health and our performance. And there are even studies now uh, looking at the correlation between exercise and the health of the microbiome and, and then the, in the other direction, the health of the microbiome and, and exercise and performance. So 
it's yet another lever uh, that we can push on for optimizing performance. But the good news is that, you know, for the average person, an average athlete, they don't have to understand a ton about it if they just follow the basic nutrition principles you know, that, that we use and that we, we've talked about on this show, um, then that's the best way to uh, improve their microbiome. So that means avoiding processed and refined foods, these, you know, flour and sugar um, feed unhealthy bacteria and, un and other microbes in, in our gut microbiome. So they can actually shift the balance of that community in a bad direction. And so that's, that's one of the many arguments for avoiding processed and refined foods. On the flip side, uh, when we eat fresh uh, plants, like fresh fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, and some of the starches like sweet potatoes, those all have fibers that feed our beneficial gut bacteria. So um, in, in, in eliminating processed food and eating whole foods, it's like a one-two punch. On the one hand, you're limiting the stuff that feeds the bad bugs, and on the other hand, you're increasing the stuff that feeds the good bugs. So it's like any other ecosystem. Um, you know, you want to, you know, pull the weeds in the garden and if, and keep those in check so that the flowers and, and, you know, vegetables and everything else that you're growing there can flourish. And that's exactly the situation in our gut. That's so powerful. And is, understanding that the gut is is like your second brain is a powerful thing to know too to know how important it is is assuming that a lot of people will have gut issues is there a quick way or is there like one thing that they can do and and i'm sure it's 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 absolutely living the lifestyle of eating the whole foods and nutritious foods but to shift themselves from having a leaky gut and a bad micro microbiome to optimizing it I mean, I think from a nutritional perspective, those two things I mentioned are the biggest, okay. uh, are, are the most important things. Um, yes. Consuming bone broth is also very helpful. Um, so this is, you know, it's it's a little different than just like the kind of st uh, broth you buy in the store, although there are some good brands like Kettle and Fire now that you can buy in the store. Uh, this is like what your grandma might have made, you know, mm -hmm. by si simmering a chicken carcass for uh, 12 to 16 hours so that the, and then, and, and you, you know, it's bone broth when you put it in the fridge and it turns into like a gelatinous substance. It's almost, you know, it's not really fully liquid anymore. Um, and this, this broth has a lot of, uh, glycine and collagen in it. And the gl glycine and collagen are absolutely critical for, um, tissue regrowth and repair. So both we're talking about preventing injuries and recovering from from injuries like collagen and glycine are critical so you, so broth is one of the best ways to get that in your diet it's also glycine is uh what our intestinal cells are made up of so um if you have a leaky gut or other gut issues and you're not getting enough glycine that can contribute you get more glycine you can actually help rebuild that gut lining man that's awesome that, that makes me feel really good because one of my favorite foods is that that creamy texture that that white stuff on top of the bone broth and just scooping up yep. that off and eating it oh man mm -hmm. might yeah, have that for thanksgiving for coming up i might just skip the turkey <laughs> and stuff that's right go straight, straight to the broth. soup the broth <laughs> yeah the gravy gravy yeah. has a lot of collagen and glycine in it too there you go i'm just gonna drink gravy yeah. okay i beat it into my veins <laughs> perfect yeah man so before we let you off here and you're an absolute wealth of knowledge in all these areas and i'm super excited like we got big things coming 
with with mm-hmm. me and you and your team of optimizing NBA players and we can do a podcast down the road after we get that rolling even some more. But I want to talk to you. I'm going to put you on the rapid fire hot seat in the remaining minutes that we have. And whatever comes to your mind uh, is is great. I'm going to ask you more about the mindset of it because you're you're super super knowledgeable. But I also love just I mean the person you are that that mm-hmm. the servant that you are and, and the mindset that you have more than just the the health and wellness um, vast knowledge that you have. So to that point, we'll keep it quick. Rapid fire. Here we go. What what drives you daily? What is something that, that gets you out of bed in the morning that you are just excited about going to do? Like, why do you do what you do? And I know that's a that's a huge open-ended question. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, just the idea that I can make an impact and I can make people's lives better, whether it's a, a, a young child that I'm working with that's dealing with a significant chronic illness or an adult. Um, that is trying a woman who's trying to get pregnant but not able to the joy of being able to help her bring a baby into the world or whether it's a high level athlete who's trying to function at an even higher level just just having the satisfaction of helping people accomplish their goals is what drives me love it man it's awesome do you have a favorite mindset quote that you live by or some or something a mantra that you like yeah i have many i think one I of like the ones this. that i keep coming back to recently is is from uh, uh one of my buddhist teachers sherry huber uh, which is the focus of our attention determines the quality of our experience nice. Love so it. what we pay attention to yep. from moment to moment is is what determines the quality of our experience and that's a i think uh, you know a lifetime practice Big time, man. Super good. Do you have any, uh, I'm not really big on like hacks or anything like that because I think everything is a lifestyle, but do you have any like, are you like secret things that you think gives you the advantage daily? Like for me, it's a, it's a I wake up three minute ice cold shower first thing I wake up. So for mm-hmm. my mind and my mm-hmm. body, I'm rolling. Do you have any things mm-hmm. that you are, your advantage points? Well, it's not a secret, but because um, it's, you know, it's gotten so much uh, attention over the last few years. But uh, I've been a meditator since I was 17. Oh, uh, my awesome. dad actually introduced me to meditation when I was 17. I'm I'm uh, 45 now, so coming up on 30 years. And wow. I would say if, if I could point to one thing that has had a positive impact on my every aspect of my life, that would be it. That's so great, man. And and I can see that in you. Like even every time we talk, you just seem so at peace, calm, at a great pace. And I know you have so much going on with the move going on and everything that you're doing. But you do. <laughs> it such keeps a me sane. I'll tell you that. Dude. I don't know where I'd, I'd probably be in an in a lunat, <laughs> in an insane asylum somewhere if I if if it weren't for that. Oh man, it's it's so powerful and it's cool. You've been doing it for that long and. When, when people weren't doing it, now it's the hot, trendy thing to do. <laughs> Before it was cool. Yeah, you were. You did it. Um, how can we all follow you? How can we, where are you at the most so we can just follow everything that you do? Because I, I really think like the more people that can hear about you and what you're doing, uh, super beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little old school in that regard. I, uh, I got chriscresser.com as my main website and I still write emails to to people. Uh, I'm, I'm the one that writes them. Um, nice. And that's the way that I have a conversation uh, with folks, and I, I think that's uh, probably the best way to get it. Uh, you know, learn more about my work. But then I'm on all the the social channels: uh, Facebook.com/slash Chris Cresser, Chris Cresser on Instagram, and Chris Cresser on Twitter. Love it. And the final question on the One Percenter Podcast: What does 
being a one percenter mean to you? I would say um, just being a lifelong learner. Uh, for me, like the thing I'm probably more passionate about than anything else is learning. And I'm not not just in my field, but I'll, I'll you know I, I just love to learn about anything. Um, and I think as if you if you pursue learning, then you will always be getting better and improving yourself and and, and always aiming for for more uh, a higher level of, of achievement and satisfaction in life. Chris, you're awesome, man. Such a good answer. And thank you for coming on this One Percenter podcast, gracing us with your knowledge and many more things to come. MBA optimization and just overall yeah. life optimization for anybody out there. If you want to improve your life, check out Chris Cresser. I guarantee it will improve your life. So, man, thank you so much for coming on. David, thank you for having me. Thanks for all your great work. And I look forward to uh, collaborating with you more in the future. Thank you so much for listening to the 1% Podcast. Seriously, it means a ton to me. Time is the most valuable asset we have, and you are spending it with me. Thank you. And thank you for being the light you are to so many people in your life. Remember, no matter where you are or what you do, you have the chance to change someone's life daily. A smile, just listening to someone, even the smallest of small things, can change someone's entire perspective on life. Impacting one person's life can impact millions. And if you have a quick 30 seconds after this podcast and could leave a review, that would be amazing. That helps me to be able to continue to bring on great guests to this podcast. But if you don't have the time either, no biggie. Tell a friend, tell a family member, share this with someone you think could benefit from listening. And if you want, post what you learned from this episode up on Instagram. Tag me at davidnurse 5 because each month, I'm going to pick a winner from the people who leave reviews and tags on Instagram. I'm sending them super swag one percenter gear. And I'm also going to be sending out my first book, Pivot and Go, coming super, super soon. But it is on pre-sale today, right now. You can go get yourself a pre-sale. Be one of the first with a discounted price. Check it out at davidnurse.com. Or go to Amazon where you can search all books all over the place and you can order it there. It's on pre-sale today. Remember, the best gifts are gifts that can change someone's life. Thank you so much for being who you are. Feel more than free to reach out to me on Instagram at any time I answer everyone back. I am always here for you. Have a great week. And remember, pour into yourself 1% daily so you can pour into others 1% every single day.